from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Your liberty-loving Latino amigo, happy to be here with you. It's Friday, everybody. Uh, that means uh, we're about to kick off the weekend tonight, but sit back, relax, pull up a chair. We're going to have an amazing next three hours together, keeping you company straight till 1 a.m. Of course, our phone number, if you want to join the conversation, uh, we always let our hair down on Fridays, and I'm um, happy to have a conversation with you, whether you agree or disagree. 833-482-5337. 833-4VALDES is the phone number. And I want to go into this story right here. Where did it go? Well, uh, not the Joe Biden and his family affairs. That that can wait till later. But it was Joe Biden in Maine today. He was... Um, saying that maybe the GOP will impeach me over bringing down inflation, trying to be funny. But I found it interesting that he would discuss possibly being impeached by the GOP because that's not something any president jokes about, right? This is now part of the White House record. It'll be part of a transcript. And to me, this says, I think Joe Biden's a little nervous. Listen to this. We're growing faster. We're economically more advanced than every other major country in the world. It's down from 9% to 3%, and it's going to continue to go down. While there's more work ahead earlier this week, the Washington Post suggested Republicans may have to find something else to criticize me for. Now that inflation is coming down. Maybe they'll decide to impeach me because it's coming down. I don't know. I love that one. Oh, anyway, it's another story. So... Joe Biden is putting the political writing on the wall right now. And now listen, he's right. When I say that Joe Barroso Biden relies on muscle memory of his days as a uh, crooked politician in, in Washington, I'm not kidding. And you just saw it right there. This is the same Joe Biden that mopped the floor with Paul Ryan in the vice presidential debate some years back. This was a very, very good move by Joe Biden. He's right. Inflation has gone down from 9% to 3%. Now, listen, of course, they're playing with the numbers. They're not including so many things that would push inflation even higher. The truth is inflation's higher than they say it is. But it has gone down every single month for X amount of months. This is going to be a tough thing to sell on Election Day. Now, it won't be so tough when he says everything's going down, going down, going down. If I'm arguing against him, I'm going to say, you could say what you want, Joe Biden. Everybody listening, check your bank account. Everybody listening, put your hand in your pocket. Are you spending more today than you were spending two years ago, three years ago? At the beginning of his administration? Oh, yeah. Everybody is. So while he can say it's coming down, until you can feel it coming down in your pocket, you're not really going to believe it. But there are some people that will. 
people that were not really that hurt by inflation to begin with. You know, people that put off their Hawaii trip for maybe a, a trip to Florida instead. People that put off their trip to Italy for perhaps a trip to, I don't know, California. You know, something more local, something more affordable. Potentially. California might just cost as much to go to, honestly. But my point is, Biden can position himself in a position, and I'm being very frank here, where, where he can still be looked upon favorably by his base. And then all he's got to do is try to sell the status quo to the people in the middle. Not saying it's going to work, but I'm saying he's trying to do it and he's skilled at doing it. He hides, he hides, he doesn't answer many questions. He, he, um, he hides from the media, so he's hiding from scrutiny. And then every now and again, he'll come out, he'll flash the pearly whites, he'll uh, squint his eyes, put on those aviators, and, you know, say, come on, man, I got hairy legs, say something silly. People will be like, oh, it's good old Grandpa Joe again. And, and, and he'll just get away with murder like he always does. And I say that figuratively. But the fact that he says maybe they'll impeach me lets me know that I think he's feeling a little bit of the heat from Hunter not getting the plea deal that he thought he was getting. The sweetheart deal that people said that he, he'd gotten. And then all of a sudden it fell apart where they're saying, oh, yeah, well, well uh, we might be investigating the Farrow registration violations. And him saying, oh, man, I thought we were done with that. Or I thought we were done with this. Or I thought, so the fact that there's FBI saying that there's still an investigation going on, even if it's to keep Congress away, because if there's an ongoing investigation, you can't look at their documents. Got it. But people are going to expect more. I mean, of course, they could come out and say, yeah, after a second look and closer consideration and more scrutiny, we that's it. That was all he did. And that's it. Yada, yada, yada. He's done. But the door's open. And I think the fact that the door's open and that the GOP is consistently, consistently getting on top of Biden, uh, and rightfully so, and that now you've got Speaker McCarthy entertaining the idea of impeachment, which I think should definitely happen. And it should happen not once, but twice before Election Day. Absolutely should happen twice. Because I believe in settling the score, and I believe what he's done with this bribe thing is impeachable, and what he's done at the border is impeachable. Those two things alone should allow it. I mean, if, if I were in charge, I would probably even uh, nail the uh, his lack of leadership and inability to figure out what happened with this mysterious bag of cocaine. I, I put that on there, too, and make it a third. Who, who cares, right? We've got to give it to them as strong as they were giving it to us. And not for retaliation purposes and for, you know, being a baby. Oh, they pushed me. I pushed them back. But no, for, to, for fighting back. Because at the end of the day, Congress was elected by people, right? People like you, people like me, people we know, people we love, people we trust, our neighbors, our family. We, the people. And if, if we are electing Congress and they're allowing us, we the people, to be buffeted by Congress, by, by the White House, by their lies, then we need to put pressure on Congress, or at least those few in Congress that are actually taking their job seriously to represent us. At least that's just my take on it. Anyway, uh, we've got a lot to discuss tonight. And like always, we have some amazing guests that are going to be joining us. Uh, we're going to talk about the economy. We're going to talk about inflation. We're going to talk about the um, the Department of Justice and how they're they're becoming just so incredibly weak and politicized 
I mean, they yesterday they dropped the charges against the uh, the guy Sam Bankman-Fried, who was a huge donor to the Democrat Party, and he was um, charged with campaign finance violations, and they just dropped those charges. I mean, it's just it's just bizarre the way things are going. And then we're going to talk about you know what's the spiritual pulse of of this country, what's going on. We're going to talk with. Uh, Somebody who's going to give us the scoop on that as well. And he's coming right out of New York City. So don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. We're just getting started. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. We now know a big part of that reason for inflation was the pandemic, the war in Ukraine, broken, broken supply chains, and excess profits. All hitting pocketbooks hard. While paddling, while padding corporate profits. By the way, I'm not against corporations. I come from the corporate capital of the world, Delaware. Well, seriously, more corporations incorporated in my state than every other state in the union combined. But they should pay their fair share. All right. So many things there to take apart. I don't know where to start. So that's Joe Biden again. And he says that. We now know that inflation is to blame on COVID and on excessive profits. I don't even know what an excessive profit is. What is, who defines an excessive profit? I, I, I'm, I am way too underqualified to dissect that, that soundbite. So we're bringing in the pros here. Vance Ginn, he's president of Ginn Economic Consulting. He's host of Let. The People Prosper, that's a podcast. Make sure you check it out. He's also senior fellow uh, with Young Americans for Liberty, and he's a former White House OMB Associate Director for Economic Policy. Vance Ginn, welcome back. Hey, Rich. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you. Likewise, man. So I'm, I'm listening here to our president, Joe Biden, and he yeah. says that corporate profits or excessive profits and covid are to blame, but hey, I'm not against corporations as long as they pay their fair share. I don't know what that even means. Um, can you help me make sense of that? I, I don't think I can, uh, but I think from his point of view, you know, they need to pay their fair share as uh, more. <laughs> they just want to pay right. more in taxes so that way they can spend more. Um, and that's really what, you know, they've been rolling out this Bidenomics which is a bunch of crap, but they're saying Bidenomics. And what they're saying is like, look, um, they're going to bring down inflation and everything else. But, but really, what have we seen? The highest inflation in 40 years. We now have the highest interest rates in 22 years. Um, you know, you have real wages. People's actual money that they can have purchasing power of has been declining for 26 straight months. 
how is this a good thing for the American people? And so while he's talking out one side of his mouth, the other side of the mouth is also causing problems for the American people because of all of his bad policies. Yeah, you know, Vance, again, I think this is, um, it's bizarre to me. And I try to be realistic. Uh, a big part of my job and my life is I have to always step out of my, what I believe and try to step into what maybe my, my listeners believe because they're all over the place. And mm-hmm. so I ask people, random people, where I get gas, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? You know, I'm always asking, I'm like a wandering pole. And, and I'm always asking questions. And I feel like most people, when I ask them, do you feel like inflation's getting better? People only feel like inflation's getting worse. Yet mm. the numbers, every time they come in, it says that it's down. It's down to 3%. Uh, can I argue that that's not true? Has inflation yeah. not gone from 9 to 3%? No, that's a good point, Rich. I mean, when you look at it from the Consumer Price Index, which is the measure that they use, the CPI. A number of goods. Oh, what's that? I said CPI. That's what they use. CPI, exactly right. And so it's a basket of goods and services that's in there um, and the, that the Bureau of Labor Statistics put out, puts out every month. Um, but that is based on a basket of goods and services back in like 1982. That's when the base was of the year, you know, when they have the index of 100. And then they look at that over time. So there's new goods. There's all these different factors that go into that. But what I also want to look at is not just the CPI, but there's also the personal consumption expenditures inflation report that's out there. And that one actually shows 4.1% right now, uh, which is twice two times what the Federal Reserve would like the target to be around 2%, which is still too high. But what, right. but, but really, Rich, what I like to look at is the Federal Reserve's balance sheet. And the government spending that we've had over the last couple of years of more than $6 trillion added to the national debt, a lot of that's just been monetized by the Fed to try to keep inflation rates down um, and, and interest rates down, and in the process, uh, manipulate the entire economy. So I think Americans are feeling much higher inflation than what these indicators are showing us because of all their seasonal adjustments and all their modeling that they do, all those have been thrown off because of the bad policies over the last you know, two and a half years, three years. A hundred percent. And that's the technical response. And, and I feel that's exactly yeah. what people feel, right? They're, they're, you could say what you want about these numbers, but people are feeling it otherwise. But on the other side of that, I feel like there are some people who, you know, let's say people that are making 250K, 300K, uh, 400K. This inflation may have hurt them a little, but it didn't really drastically change their lifestyle. They just probably mm-hmm. had to spend more of the, that disposable income that they had. What so many people who don't make 400K don't have. You know, if you're making $66,000 yeah. a year or $48,000 a year, if you're a regular human being, on the, especially if you're that human being on the, on the East Coast, you know, you're living really tight and inflation is strangling you. So I'm wondering, you know, what is the message that Biden would have to to them? And I know you don't have the answer to what he would say, but I I just, I'm just wondering, and uh, I guess maybe putting on your political pundit hat for five seconds, do do you think people buy that and believe that when he says everything's going down and they're like, bro, I'm losing my shirt over here. Yeah. Yeah. And they can't pay their mortgages because appraisals are going up and their taxes are going up. And it's just one thing after another under this administration. And, you know, I, I don't know that they have an answer. I mean, I think they have to play it off as well as they can um, to get the media on their side, which is not, not you, but most of the media is on their side. And so they can make their point for them if they just touted enough time. 
And, you know, in economics, we talk about public choice economics where these politicians are rational. They want to get reelected. And so they've got to talk right. a good game. And unfortunately, the most of the mass media that's out there, the mainstream media, is, is, is just parroting what the administration is saying. And, and it's nonsense because, you know, when you look at the unemployment rate, it shows 3.6%. But, but think about this, how many millions of people are now out of the labor force because they've been getting, you know, welfare payments. Um, maybe they were living with their parents. And there's just so many things that have changed in the last couple of years. And, and, and that's all going to come home to roost for us when we have less productivity. We have labor shortages that are going on across the country. All this makes sense because of the gig government socialist policies that they've been putting in place. Wow. Let me tell you, Vance, again, uh, great explanation on that one. And, and again, I just I, I'm, I'm really curious to see if if Joe Biden will become the politician that can sell a bad economy to the people and tell them it's a good one, <laughs> you know, like I'm going to yeah. pee on your leg and tell you it's raining because <laughs> I, I just don't know that that Bill Clinton, I think, was a, a skilled politician. And I think Joe mm-hmm. Biden's a skilled politician, uh, to be frank with you. You don't survive 40 something years in the Senate if you're not skilled. Um, there, mm-hmm. There's some skill there. I'm not saying he's eloquent or smart. I'm just saying he. He knows the thuggery of Washington. But I think he would be crossing a Rubicon, in my opinion, if he could sell this idea to the American people that we're doing well now, when I think we're not doing well. Yes, it's true that there's been uh, um, some growth with um, GDP, and it's true that the job market isn't as bad as some thought it would be. And these are good things for our country. And I think uh, Biden should be riding that wave. If I were his shoes, I would do that. (laughs) But but one thing I don't think he's going to win on, I hope he doesn't win on, is him telling us that inflation wasn't his fault in any way Mm. and that somehow inflation's going down and things are really good. When I just, I I can't believe that they are. Let me remind everybody who you are, just in case anybody's tuning in right now. Folks, we're on with Vance Ginn. He's a... former uh, associate director for economic policy at the White House Office of Management and Budget. And uh, so he knows this stuff. He's, he's uh, an economist. And and what I want to do, Vance, again, uh, straight ahead, is I want to get into this conversation of GDP, right? Because there's been uh, um, GDP's risen a little bit. And despite the Fed tightening, and I'm curious to get your your thoughts on that. I think a lot of people hear these terms thrown around and we, we don't know exactly how that looks in the long run. So I'd love to get your take on it. So stick with us, folks. We're on with Vance Ginn and we're coming right back. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. We're just getting started. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. At night with Rich Valdez. 
All right, America, welcome back. Our number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Our guest, Vance Ginn, former, uh, I keep saying, uh, associate director of OMB at the White House. And the caller is Bill from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, KDKA, America's oldest radio station. Bill, quickly, go right ahead. Hi, Rich. Uh, so I was telling the screener that uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm near Pittsburgh, well, very near Pittsburgh, and uh, uh, we have a lot of uh, left leftist uh, talk show hosts on KDKA. It's a real shame. I mean, you want to? Sorry to hear that. I just want you to fine. know, uh, in April, I think it was April, May, and June. Maybe just May and June. The number one show on KDKA was this one. So, thank you for listening, oh, oh, brother. That sounds. That sounds good, man. Because I mean, after they're gone, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Bill, uh, what's on your uh, mind, brother? Okay, one call, man. Because he, he, he didn't want to go to, uh, you know, the screener basically fill me in where, where you guys are at, and I'll say hi to your guests. And uh, anyways, here in Pittsburgh area, um, gas has gone up like eight cents just. Just in a week uh, for a gallon wow. of gas, so we're we're pretty close now to four bucks again, and uh, I, I don't see it coming down. And the only thing that I have to see say about uh, Biden and Bidenomics, Bidenomics, yeah, you know, whatever he calls it, mm-hmm. uh, he, he, I think he has a hard time saying it too. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, the only thing that I actually see going down. You know, as far as anything is Uh Joe Biden. I think you're right, Bill. I think you're 100 percent spot on. And thanks for the call. Vance Ginn, um, Bill in Pittsburgh says uh, gas is up eight cents and the only thing going down is Biden. I don't know if he's right or wrong, but uh, what do you think? No, I I think Bill's Bill's right on. I mean, gas prices are going up. Um, Oil prices are going up. They've reached about $80 a barrel again after not being there for for a little while. But they've continued to go up during the Biden administration after, you know, they were pretty low under the Trump administration because um, energy was unleashed. The, the rules, the regulations, uh, there were more per- were being brought back, while at the same time permits were being given out. So there was a lot more oil and gas that was being produced. Um, and instead of, of continuing that, which was good for Americans, uh, like, like Bill and others, was the Biden administration came in, shut down the Keystone XL pipeline, put up all these new regulations, making it very difficult to produce, while at the same time draining our strategic petroleum reserve. At a, at a at a time when you're selling it at a lower price, now they're buying it back at a higher price. It's doing a disservice for taxpayers on two fronts. And, really and so bright, I don't huh? see the oil prices are going to go down anytime soon. Yeah, it's it's a shame. I don't know who succeeded you in uh, in OMB at the White House, but um doesn't seem like they're doing a good job or giving good advice <laughs> to the president. I tell you, Vance Gibb. Well, let's go ahead. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wanted to now go circle back quickly, though, because I had this question for yeah. you, and, and I'm really curious about it, um, because I'm wondering, like, do we reach a point of diminishing returns, even though we're seeing mm-hmm. growth in GDP, right? GDP is up 2.4%. Yeah. The Fed is still uh, tightening, meaning, obviously, they're raising rates, and, and that is, in part, shrinking the housing market. There's other factors, in my opinion, that are shrinking yeah. the housing market. But with all of that happening, happening, we see GDP up. 
Um, is this sustainable? I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's up, but does it stay up? And, and you know, where do we go? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Rich, I know you, you know, like numbers, probably some of your guests do too. And I, I don't want to get too technical, um, mm-hmm. but I, I want to lay out just a couple of numbers here about what's going on with GDP um, for your audience to really understand what's happening here. So gross domestic product, the yep. measure of the total economic output in a country, um, the way they measure it by the Bureau of Economic Analysis is consumption plus investment plus government spending plus net exports. That's how they, they compute these statistics that are all estimates from across the country. Take them for what you will, but at least it gives us some way to compare over time. Right, well, right. the latest Wait, number is not always real. Q2, no, that's right. It's not always real. That's right. So, uh, and there's a lot that's missing with it. It's not a perfect measure by any imagination, but that's what you're going to hear in the media and the, and the Biden administration. So you need to know about it. Um, but you're right. Q2 2023 was a 2.4% increase, which, you know, sounds pretty good. It's not, it's not great. Like 3%, like we were having in the Trump administration, but it's right. 2.4%. But, but, but there's something we need to think about. If government spending is in this equation, how do you pay for government spending? You have to pay for it through either taxes today or taxes in the future. So that's right. not growing the economy. And so if you look at the contributions of each one of those measures that go into GDP, um, government spending was 0.45 percentage points of that 2.4%. So I would subtract that out and look at the private sector only grew by 1.95%. It, it did not grow 2.4% because all that right. has to be taken out of and crowds out the productive private sector. So we're not growing that fast. All of 22 grew by 0.9%, so basically 1%. In three of the last five quarters, three of the last five quarters, when you look at the real average of gross domestic product and gross domestic income, which is a good measure for the overall economy, has been negative three of the last five quarters. I, I really think we went into a recession in March of 2022, and we haven't come out yet. And that's why we still feel a lot of this malaise that's going on across the country, even though some of these indicators are making us think that things are good on the surface. There's a lot that's wrong underneath the hood outstanding uh, analogy. And, and, and that's why we like to have these conversations with guys like you that know how to make sense of this stuff. Because when I see that and I think, you know, again, um, I've got Biden telling me the economy's fantastic. Now I've got the Fed telling me that everything's fantastic. Everybody's telling me it's fantastic yet. I'm thinking, I just bought my daughter a car, a used car, a, a pretty old one. Um, had low mileage, but it was still old. And I paid a fortune, I feel. Uh, I think the car should have been like $6,800, $7,000. Uh, I got them down to 8,200 and then with these fees and this, it ended up $9,600 for a 2007 Honda CRV, but very low mileage, almost new. But, but it was, I was just blown away that, wow, I can't believe that a, they're so scarce and B, um, it, 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 people are asking that much and getting it, you know, um, it's just amazing to me. And that's just one item, a car. (laughs) I'm thinking there's so many things you could buy. I'm looking at condos in Miami. Same thing. It's just, everything's just ridiculously expensive and out of yeah. control. And, and meanwhile, I look at all this news every day, and all they can do is tell me how great everything is, and I'm, it doesn't match my pocket and my life. And I'm just wondering, maybe it's me, you know? Uh, <laughs> but I have a feeling it's not just me. No, no, no. It's, it's not just you, Rich. I mean, and, and, and you're right. Used car prices have still been up. They're they're coming down a little bit from where they were at the peak just a few months ago, but they're still way above where they were just, uh, you know a couple of years ago. Um, and, and a lot of this, look, I mean, one of the things that caught my, my eye here recently was um, President Biden tweeted or somebody tweeted for him um, that, you know, look at the economy, look at all the jobs that are being created. 
And my predecessor, um, he had declining job creation. And, and so what I quote tweeted him about, which is basically I just replied to him saying, sure. what would you have done differently during the pandemic that Trump didn't do? Because the reason why there is decline over those four years, the only reason why is because of the pandemic and then the shutdown. Had the shutdowns not happened, there would have been there was a roaring economy before yeah. all that took place, and and I don't think that Biden would have done, he wouldn't have done anything better. <laughs> it would have been right. worse for the economy because whenever Biden came in uh, in twenty twenty one, the 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 job creation was growing at a rapid pace, and it slowed down after he became president and passed this new trillion dollar two two trillion dollar bill. Um, that resurrected our economy and created inflation. So, so I was just like, look, what else would you have done differently? It would have been much worse uh, had he been there at the time. Yeah, and we've seen what he would do. We saw him yeah. come in and sign executive order after executive order and destroy the uh, domestic energy production that, that we had um, achieved uh, in a record number, right? For the first time, I think the term yep. was energy dominant, uh, not just independent. Folks, we're on with Vance Ginn. Uh, he is, uh, he's a lot of things. He's all over the place. He's a very busy guy. We're glad that he came on with us tonight. He's president of Gin Econo- Economic Consulting. He's host of his, uh, his own podcast, Let the People Prosper. Uh, he's also with Young Americans for Liberty, where he's a senior fellow and former associate director of the White House uh, Office of Management and Budget. And we're coming back with him. If you have any calls, the number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Folks, that's Bidenomics. It's about growing the economy and strengthening the middle class. Making things in America again. Under trickle-down economics, it didn't matter where companies made things as long as it helped their bottom line. Even if that meant jobs and supply chains moved overseas, what did most of these guys do? They decided to send the jobs overseas where the labor was cheaper and bring the product made back to the United States more expensive. Entire towns and communities got hollowed out. Not just here in Maine, but all across America. This is not just for Maine. This is of all America. Small towns and medium-sized towns all across America. Factories got shut down. All over the country, parents saying to the children, honey, I'm sorry, I lost my job. We can't live here anymore. So there's Joe Biden, who I like to call President Joe El Baboso Biden, which means he's like a bumbling, stumbling type of guy. And... Joe Baboso Biden is saying that trickle-down economics has hollowed out so many whatevers, he said. And our guest is Vance Ginn. Now, Vance Ginn is, is a pro. He knows what he's talking about. And, and I'm really curious to know, Vance Ginn, what, who is the inventor of trickle-down e- economics? Is this a convention of the left? No, it's not actually. Um, George H.W. Bush was the one who talked about it, um, what was it, 1988, uh, right around that time where he talked about trickle-down economics <laughs> first. And, and um, voodoo, and voodoo economics. And voodoo economics, exactly right, exactly. And a thousand it points of light. 
Yeah, yeah, voodoo, voodoo economics, exactly right. And um, but but it's interesting how the left took that, <laughs> and then they just ran with it in this trickle down economics, which is basically you know that tax cuts are going to help out the in their view the rich, which will then hopefully trickle down to the lower income folks. What's what's interesting about all this is that the ones who are getting hurt by economics are the lower income people. They're getting crushed by this inflation, sure. by the jobs that have been out there or not been out there and moving around the shuffling of all these jobs with their subsidies and everything else that they're just throwing all this, all of our tax money out there throughout the economy and creating a lot of inflationary pressures at the same time. We're just hurting those very people. And so the, the, the socialism, this big government socialism that they're putting out there is really what more like trickle down economics because it's, it's, exactly. it's the kings. It's the, it's the government that's controlling more things. And maybe we'll give some crumbs to those that the lower incomes, um, maybe. <laughs> but otherwise, the yeah. Fed is going to print them away. The government's going to spend all of our money. And it's an unfortunate situation. You know, um, Rich, one thing I was thinking about the other day and talking sure. to somebody about is that Karl Marx, you know, talked a lot about the proletariats overthrowing the bourgeoisie. Um, mm-hmm. But the people who are fighting back now are the poor to overthrow all this big government. It's really right. the flip side. It's not socialism that does that. It's capitalism that gives the most power to lower income people in the process. And these people who want all this power at the top are, are big government folks like President Biden and others. You know, Vanskin, when, when we hear this, and, and, and you're 100 percent right on that. When, when we hear this idea um, that the left is fascinated with the term trickle-down economics, right? Because they're trying to pin it on, I think, every last person, trying to make it seem as if if there's any economic system um, or, or idea that is proposed that they don't like, they will label it as trickle-down economics. But yet, when you look at true economic liberty, um, like, like a free market system like we have that in my opinion it's what marx called capitalism is Mm -hmm. responsible for the real true liberty of so many people like being able to build wealth and make a life for themselves and 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 it was a positive thing and it's just astounding to me how our system of 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 a free market is kind of like the the true marker of economic liberty, and yet it is it's constantly frowned upon by the left. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a great point, and, and you're exactly right. I mean, you look at different measures of economic freedom. Um, the Fraser Institute puts out one that it looks at economic freedom of the world. You know, you places like Hong Kong, Denmark, um, Switzerland. Some of those excellent Nordic countries are right near the top because even though they have high taxes, they have nationalized health care and some of that more nonsense, they have free markets in, in much more ways than we do with less regulation. Um, a lot of other areas of their economy are very free. Um, they actually yeah. rank higher than we do in, in the U.S., which is um, seventh most in, in the world. Uh, and I think, you know, we have a mixed economy. We're not full free market capitalism, like where I would like for us to be one day, so we have limited government spending, we have lower taxes, less regulation, and I think the just unleash the potential for economic prosperity across the country. You know, if you think about our two biggest sectors in the economy, our healthcare and education, they're dominated by government. 
between government spending, regulations, tax credits, and shifts, and every you know uh, redistribution of income around, mm-hmm. and, and that's why we're not getting the results that we otherwise would had we had a free market healthcare system and, and school choice and a free market you know education system. Just think about how more pros- much more prosperous we would be, and that would shrink the size and scope of government at the same time. And so I think there are big things that I hope. These Republican candidates, whenever they're coming out here going against Biden, is can't just say that look, people are hurting and it's because of Bidenomics. We need to come out with a good free market capitalist message of how this is the path forward. This is the vision that we need because if not, we're going to be in a world of hurt. We're, we're, we're looking at massive deficits for the future of over $2 trillion. Net interest debt on the, on the interest payments are going to be more than national defense. We, we've got to turn this around, and, and the time is now. Vance Ginn, you're a gentleman and a scholar and a patriot, sir. I want to remind everybody that they can uh, check out your writings at Vance Ginn. That's G-I-N-N dot Substack dot com. I want to thank you for being here, brother. Yeah, thank you so much, Richard. It's a pleasure with you today. Yes, sir. Likewise. Godspeed. Have a great weekend. Folks, we're coming right back. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. across America to the liberty-loving Latino, Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And a quick reminder, if you want to be helpful, if you want to do me a favor, if you will, um, I have been tasked with reminding our audience here, you all, the wonderful listeners of this program, about the nomination that this program has received for the People's Choice Podcast Award. Now, this award is for our coverage of government organizations and other organizations, and um, I'm thrilled to have been a part of the nomination and and grateful to you all that have decided to vote. So if you do want to vote for America at Night with Rich Valdez as the um, People's Choice um, Award for that category of government and organizations. All you got to do is register your email so that you can vote. Easy as pie. What you do is you go to podcastawards.com, podcastawards, plural, dot com, and you put in your email. I think you got to put in the name of the show as well, which is uh, Rich Valdez, America at Night. And then you, um, I think you have to type my name in somewhere. And that's it. When you go to the Podcast Awards page, it's podcastawards.com. There'll be a little blue box toward the top of the screen. You can click on that, and you'll be registered to vote. And the election is, I don't know, I think it's starting next week. So um, be sure to do that if you're interested in doing that. I appreciate it, and thank you for for even considering it. And uh, anyway, we're coming right back. We're going to find out what happened with Sam Bankman-Fried and all those campaign finance violations. We're going to get to the bottom of that and a lot more. 833-4-VALDEZ is the number. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez, and we're coming right back. 
live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S at the end. On all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you this Friday evening, keeping you company till one in the morning. Pull up a chair, kick your feet up, stick with us. This is going to be a really good hour. We just had a, a great hour, and we also have an hour after this, so uh, get comfy. Now, listen, we uh, got a lot to talk about, and we were just talking about the economy, and it's a very important topic, but just as important is finding out what happened with Sam Bankman Freed? Like, how did we get to where we are, right? There was this big banking collapse, uh, where actually the um, FTX, rather, uh, crypto bank, if you will, uh, crypto exchange, better said. And uh, a lot of malfeasance, or at least um, alleged and to me apparent malfeasance uh, of how this whole thing went down. But Sam Bankman Freed was a big donor. I think at one point they said he was the largest donor or the second largest donor behind Soros, I remember hearing, of Democrat politicians, big mega donor to the Democrat Party. And he was charged eventually with um, campaign finance violations by the Department of Justice. However, those charges were dropped quite unceremoniously, very, very... uh, you know, somewhat quietly, there wasn't much fanfare, and and many of us are just none the wiser. And this man, who should be held accountable, in my opinion, isn't being held accountable. And I think we need to know why. So for that, I decided to connect with somebody that knows exactly what's going on, and that's Gregory Stenstrom. He's a former U.S. naval officer, co-founder of Patriot.online, a uh, digital privacy ecosystem and social media platform. He's also the author of the book Parallel Election, a blueprint, uh, excuse me, a blueprint for deception. And uh, Gregory Stenstrom is with us. Gregory, welcome. Well, uh, thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. You bet. So I want good, to talk a little bit about. Topic. Yeah, I think so. I think it's important for us to know what's going on. So help us break it down. Give us a little bit of the background here on you know the charges that uh, Sam Bankman-Fried was facing, and now this uh, about-face from the federal government. Well, he was... Sam Bankman-Fried was, uh, you know, the FTX, uh, the author of that, you know, cryptocurrency fraud, stole billions of dollars. Um, The number, I think, in 2020 2020 was $90 million. And, And just as recent as the 2022 midterm election... Uh, he gave uh, my understanding from what I've read. He's given he gave forty million, and uh, so he's uh, donated uh, primarily to you know the Democrat Party. And um, what they did is they're they're just letting them basically letting them off, and uh, they're going to keep the money. So it's um, it's you know DOJ dropped the charges, and um, 
that's they think that's that, but it's indicative. Uh, you know, the reason I'm on the show is for the, the parallel election in 2020, and and you know how does election fraud happen? How do how does the DOJ drop charges like this? And I just filed allegations with the um, of criminal allegations against U.S. Attorney General Barr, uh, former uh, U.S. Attorney General Rosen, um, Christopher Ray, and um, Michael Horowitz from the from the SIGI, from the uh, IG directors, uh, the IG General's office, and uh, together they're called the Council, and they. It was a council was formed in 1978. Where I'm going with this is this uh, small group of individuals, uh, they basically do whatever they want with the government. And when people ask who's running the government, it's them. And they're the ones who decide who gets prosecuted and who doesn't get prosecuted, what investigation goes forward, what investigation doesn't. And my charges and allegations, uh, which were filed with uh, Jim Jordan and the uh, House uh, Judiciary Committee on July 4th, um, they specifically state that these group of people from the DOJ, um, they federally obstruct investigations and they manipulate investigations. And a good example is Sank Bankman Freed, the election of 2020, um, Hunter Biden, you know, you know, putting together that plea deal that Judge Narika just uh, rejected. Um, pretty brave on her part. And uh, a lot of the ills and, and uh, ailments of our country right now are directly related to these people who I've uh, submitted formal charges against. And we have dozens of whistleblowers right now lined up who are submitting mm-hmm. similar uh, outrageous. Um, I mean, just the, 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 the things these people have done are outrageous. So that's, yeah. uh, that's how it happened. And that's what we're doing. Well, Gregory Stenstrom, I want to thank you for sharing all of that with us because it really is a uh, an interesting turn of events. Things change so quickly. We're seeing so much movement. And it's fascinating to me how, you know, there's just so much information out there. And um, I'm grateful that you joined us tonight. Uh, his book, again, Parallel Election, A Blueprint for Deception. Make sure you check that out and check him out at patriot.online as well. Gregory Stenstrom, thank you so much for joining us. Don't move a muscle. We'll be right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. So we've got all sorts of allegations against all sorts of people. There's a lot of ugly stuff coming from the administrative state, the uh, cloak and dagger types in Washington, the deep state, if you will. The guys who turned off our phone last night. And yes, we did pay the bill. Amazing, right? Whenever we talk about China or bring somebody that they don't like, uh, 
it's just ironic that the phones just stop working or this and that. I mean, it's just, I'm not, I'm not wearing my tinfoil hat. I promise you, but I just find it funny. Uh, and we're working on rescheduling uh, Mayor Giuliani to come back on with us maybe next week. Um, since, you know, it took us a half hour to get the phone back working when we had him scheduled yesterday. Now, in addition to um, all of the harassment that we um, see against uh, so many different people in politics, that nobody gets it worse than President Trump, right? The 45th president of these United States, former President Trump, who's uh, candidate Trump now again, and he's doing really well in the uh, at this stage of, of the polls, kicking butt, taking names. And he was um, doing an interview with Breitbart News yesterday and discussing what it's like to have special counsel Jack Smith and this additional indictment that they've uh, tacked on, these additional charges. And here's what he had to say. Check this out. Just before we sat down here, the special counsel put out a superseding indictment. That What that means is additional charges against you on the documents case, as well as they added another defendant, the head of maintenance down at Mar-a-Lago. Um, what's your, I don't know if you've had a chance to review this. I what's just your heard response it as I'm to sitting it? down. This is harassment. This is election interference. Uh, I'm protected by the Presidential Records Act uh, totally. It shouldn't even be a case. It's not a criminal case. Uh, where's Biden with all the documents? He's got 20 times, 30 times the documents I have, and he has not made it easy for them either. They're hiding boxes. They're sending boxes to Chinatown. Boxes are being sent to Chinatown, and yet China's paying them millions of dollars. You explain that one, and you don't even hear about it. All you hear about is Trump. No, this is a two-tier system of injustice, and that's what we have. We have a sick country. Our country is very sick right now. We have a failing nation, and it's a very, very sad thing to watch. As many times as I hear um, President Trump uh, respond to these things, I got to tell you, each and every time, I think he's so accurate in it. I really do. You know, when he says this is sick, it is sick, and it's a sickness. It's an illness. It is a rot, a, a cancer, if you will, inside our body politic that is just eating away and eroding the very fabric of the republic that we were designed to be. When the founders created this place and came up with this idea uh, of, of what the United States should be eventually, the what we're seeing today is not what they had in mind. I mean, that's got to be clear to everybody. It, it just isn't. Of course, now, some people are listening going, of course not, Rich, because what they envisioned then were a bunch of white people that thought that only white people would own property and women wouldn't vote and, and nobody of color, whatever. Listen, there was there were some people that thought that too. I'm not going to argue that. But that wasn't the point. They envisioned a country that was sovereign from the English crown, from the tyranny of King George. And it's so evident when you look at the Constitution, which subsequently, right here, listen to it. It's framed right next to me. I keep it next to me to remember. I don't memorize it. I don't know it. I have a small pocket one that I keep to my right, and I have this right on my left. So I could quickly look at it and, and see it if I need to. And I think we, we should all have some, you know, um, perusal of the Constitution on a regular basis because it's so important. And we've gone so far away from that, which, in my opinion, moors us, right? We are unmoored now. It's like we're we're not... We're not connected to, to 
to any of our roots. We, we constantly trash this document because some professor, some liberal professor in an ivory tower says that we should. They just, you know, oh, it's an outdated document. You know, I remember once listening uh, to um, one of my radio mentors, the great one, Mark Levin. I was in the control room. He was in the studio doing a great job, as he always does. And he was saying, you know, just imagine if people were to change contracts, you know, the way they want to change the Constitution. Change your car note. Change change uh, your your mortgage. And, and in my head, I was thinking, yeah, you know, you're 100% right. Just imagine that. Just imagine, you know, me calling my bank and saying, you know, this deal that I have with you for X percent every month and this many dollars per month, this is a living, breathing document. And, you know, back in 1999, when we started this deal, it was, well, it made sense then, but it doesn't make sense today. Or, you know, back in 2022, it made a lot more sense. But now that it's 2024, well, no, not so much. I mean, these are such nonsensical arguments, in my opinion, that it's outdated or to say that the document is living and breathing. Or even to suggest that, well, at that time, they didn't have automatic weapons. We didn't have computers. We didn't have in the Internet. We, I mean, so all of a sudden now, every last founding document of our country, all of our history, all of it's null and void because, well, we have Instagram now. We have the Internet now. <laughs> I, I mean, I just, I could never, ever accept that. I think that is, um, that's just, it's crazy to think that that's the case. But that is lamentably how so many people think. And look, if you can't call your mortgage company, your bank, or your landlord and say, hey, look, by the way, I, um, I think I want to renegotiate. You could do that if you, you can try it. But nobody's going to allow you to, to, to say, yeah, no, listen, my car note, my mortgage, whatever, I'm, I'm going to, you know, it's a living, breathing document. And I, I'm, I feel like this is the better interpretation of it. No, it just doesn't work that way. And the fact that we, I don't know, fall victim to these boberias, I'm going to call them these, these silly things, it is, um, it's annoying to me, right? It's annoying and it shouldn't happen, right? We should be well-versed in our founding documents. We should be very um, uh, aware uh, and informed of w how our country works and how to be civically engaged. And like Reagan said, we have to be informed patriots. I think there's no other way about it. Anyway, uh, I want to continue. Let me see. Where do we go from here? We're going to go to... There was a cut that I wanted to discuss here. Yes, so Will Hurd, yesterday somebody said, this guy would be a great vice president. Um, I think it was like my buddy Gil from the Philippines, and I love Gil. He's terrific. I disagree in so much as I don't think he's very effective. And I'll ask you a question. What is that landmark piece of legislation that Will Hurd is famous for? I'll hold. That's right. I don't know either. None of us do. He's not famous for anything, right? He, there, there's no herd doctrine. There's no any of these things. Now, why? Because th this guy, um, in my opinion, he just doesn't stand for a ton. And if, if I'm wrong, if I'm speaking out of the wrong end, please, Mr. Herd, correct me and come on the show. And just like other candidates like 
uh, Pompeo and Ramaswamy and Trump, you can come on this program and we can have a conversation. They're all welcome to come. The, the issue that I have here is when you run your entire campaign, not on what, you know, uh, like Kennedy said, you know, asking not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. What is it that you can do for us? And lamentably, Mr. Hurd, he's focused on beating up on Donald Trump. Listen to this. Donald Trump is running to stay out of prison. And if we elect... I know, I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Listen, I know the truth. The truth is hard. But if we elect Donald Trump, we are willingly giving Joe Biden four more years in the White House, and America can't handle that. God bless you, and God bless America. Wow. He couldn't get not even halfway through the sentence without getting booed. And you know why? He's a clown. This was clownish. No serious person goes to say, hey, I'm running for president of the United States. And as president, there's a former congressman, by the way. I, and I, as president, I'm going to tell you that we can't elect Donald Trump because he's nobody, blah, blah, blah. And he's whatever he just said. He's a national security threat. Whatever crazy rhetoric he is, I already forgot. Uh, he's running to stay out of jail. That's it. Come on. Nobody in that crowd thought he was serious. So what is Will Hurd doing? Is somebody paying him just to be a thorn in the side? Saying, hey, look, you, you need a job since you left Congress. You want to run for president? Just take shots at Trump. Make sure that, you know, you, you could pay yourself a really good amount of money through the campaign. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get you out of a jam. You know, maybe make two, three, four hundred grand this year. What do you think? And he says, sure, why not? I mean, that's my suspicion. That's my supposition. If I'm wrong, Mr. Hurd, Congressman Hurd, please. Correct the record. You're welcome to join us. But I, I just don't see uh, where the benefit was and how he could expect anyone to take him seriously. And then to double down and say, look, I know the truth hurts. Really, bro? Come on, man. You've got to do better than that. I mean, if your entire campaign, like my former uh, boss, Chris Christie, I was a member of his administration, and he's doing the same thing. We must be forward-facing yet. Talk bad about Biden and what you can do good for America. But don't tell me why Trump isn't effective. Because that, that doesn't tell me anything about you. Anyway, don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. More to come straight ahead. Uh, we continue our conversation. So keep it locked right here. I'm Rich Valdez. Welcome back, Rich Valdez, and our phone number, 833-482-5337. As you know, we are just minutes away uh, at the top of the hour from Open Phone America. You know, this is uh, a, a tradition on this program from the days of Larry King and the days of the late, great Jim Bohannon, and uh, we continue them today. So feel free to jot that down, 833-4-VALDEZ. Call in on topic with the guest, or in the third hour, it's that... Uh, uh, who was it? Is that Hannity or Rush that calls it the final hour free-for-all? But that's what it'll be today because it's Friday. 
and uh, we're definitely gonna we're gonna have an excellent open phone America uh, last hour of the program. Now we have a guest with us, and we're talking about a lot of things. I I want to talk about the situation of hope in America because I feel like so many Americans feel hopeless because of all of the negative news that we see and so much of what what's happening with the economy it's just like people feel downtrodden but our guest says revival is a uh, coming and i want to welcome pastor mike signorelli uh from new york city to the program pastor welcome rich it's so good to be with you thanks for having me thank you uh, it's an honor and it's a pleasure so there's a few things i want to talk about i want to get your uh perspective on hope in America, and in particular, New York City, right? That's where your church is. And of course, I want to talk about the Domino Revival, the the story of it. I know there's a documentary, a groundbreaking new documentary that's coming out, and I want everybody to watch it. But I want to know the, the background to it and what, you know, led up to it. And we've got three segments to get to all of that. So uh, let's start off. Pastor Mike, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, Rich, you know, I know you said revival's coming, but I think in a lot of ways it's it's already here, and we're seeing some incredible things happening. You know, it, it might not necessarily get a ton of, of, of news, you know, and publicity, but uh, slowly Americans are starting to really wake up to the fact that something has to change, and we're just in the very beginning stages of seeing what I believe is a legitimate movement. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about it, because... I, you know, again, from where I am perched, and again, uh, I'm, I'm a native New Yorker. We uh, broadcast a show out of New York. I live in Jersey now. And I can tell you that when I, uh, whenever I'm in Manhattan during the daytime, I can tell you it's, it's, it's a sad state of affairs, uh, what I see going on. And I won't say I'm hopeless, but I could see how people feel terrible. They just, uh, they're just existing. They're, you know, they're surviving. They're not thriving. And, you know, um, uh, tell us more about the revival that you think is here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm here in New York City, and I see a lot of what you're talking about. And, you know, sometimes people have to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I think we're really reaching that point, you know, especially the last several years where people are saying, you know what, there has to be something else. You know, there's a, a big movie out that was called The Jesus Revolution, And it really talked about in the late 60s into the 70s here in the United States, you know, we had the hippie movement, which, as you know, is free love, recreational drug use. And really, at first, it sounded like a great idea. But several years into that, people said, wow, you know, we've had uh, unwanted pregnancies and, you know, we've gotten sexually transmitted diseases. And, you know, then the drug use turns into addiction and for some people, premature death. And so at the end of the hippie movement is a Jesus movement. And so in the same way, here we are now in the 2020s and, you know, people, especially here in New York city, they're, they're doing the same things. They're thinking, I'm, I'm going to meet a need through uh, all kinds of things that the Bible would call sin. And they're reaching the end of that. And they're saying, you know what, this didn't satisfy me. There's got to be something beyond the drugs. There's got to be something beyond the, promiscuous lifestyle, and they're finding Jesus again. And there's a reason why Jesus Revolution did so well in the box office. It's not 
because it was a great movie. It's because what happened in the 60s and 70s, I believe, we have the conditions for a second Jesus movement right now. And um, that's really, we're, we're starting to see it in New York City. I'm seeing it in my church against all the odds. We know that churches are actually on the decline here in the U.S. and church yeah. attendance is going down. And yet uh, we're seeing the complete opposite of that right now. So it's, it's a very incredible time and we're in the beginning of something amazing. Do you feel like you're doing something differently that you've done in the past or differently than other churches are doing to see that? increase versus a decline uh, because i mean just a week ago or two there was a big story about so many um churches uh closing their doors or splitting off from their their main um, denomination and and just withering on the vine and um i'm just curious to know you think it's something different that you guys are doing at your church uh or is it um maybe where you're located or what do you think yeah, well, listen, you know, the word revival, it's the prefix re, which means again. And so sometimes, I think especially in modern times, we think that the new idea is the best idea. But sometimes the new idea is the worst idea. And so I yeah. really believe that it's not us doing something new. It's us doing something old. And, you know, for me, it was shocking because I just started to repeat the actual words of Jesus and speak really boldly and without compromise on, on these issues. And it's a funny thing, Rich, people want to hear the truth. And when you oh, tell yeah. them the unadulterated truth, and, and I think there's a lot of uh, pastors, you know, I, I say um, there's a lot of pastors who are compromised and they, they don't want to offend people. But I've been saying I'd rather offend you to heaven than people please you all the way to hell. And so it's just been, been me actually trying to preach the gospel the way Jesus did, and people are responding to it. Folks, we are on with Pastor Mike Signorelli's pastor, founding pastor of V1 Church in New York City, and uh, we're going to come back and talk about the Domino Revival, this new film that uh, features uh, everything that he's talking about. So don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDES. That's Valdes with an S. All right, America, welcome back. Of course, we're going to go to your calls. And our guest is Pastor Mike Signorelli, uh, founding pastor of V1 Church in New York City. He's got an upcoming documentary called The Domino Revival. And we're talking about how America's not as hopeless as so many people paint her to be. But hope is on the way, and Pastor Mike says the revival is here. It's amongst us, and we're, we're starting to see the fruits of that revival. Paul is in Zanesville, Ohio, on WHIZ, great station. 
and he has a question for Pastor Mike. Paul, welcome. You're on with Pastor Mike Signorelli and Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Uh, good evening, Rich and Pastor Mike. I, I seen something um, today um, on on uh, ticker tape on uh, uh, Newsmax that said the fox is at the West Wall um, prophecy. Now I don't know what that meant. You know, I don't know what the West Wall is. I don't know what they're talking about. But the fox is at the wall, and it was a prophecy. And you know, I just wondered if you knew anything about that and what that meant, sir. I'd like Thanks, to respond, Pastor Mike. Want to take a stab at yeah. that? Yeah, Paul. Uh, you know what? I, I'm not uh, really aware of that prophecy and to actually speak on it. Uh, although I do know that you know we're in some very interesting times, and there's a lot of people prophesying right now because uh, there's a sense that there's definitely something happening. So I'm not entirely sure the specifics on that one, though. And you know, this is an interesting time in life where I think everybody, like I said, is looking for some type of uh, hope. And Paul, I thank you for that. The, 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 what I find, I guess what stands out to me, the, uh, the standout here, is that everybody's looking for hope, yet we're in a time where everybody's rejecting, or at least not everybody, but many people are rejecting where hope comes from, from above. And I, I don't know how to reconcile that, Pastor Mike. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we're living in a day and age where we, we are now decades beyond people trying to do life with God, and we're finding out rapidly that it's impossible. And I think, you know, we've lived in this delusion where, hey, we've created our own problems, so therefore we can solve our own problems, but that's not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is that we are created by God, and no matter how hard we try to solve our own problems with our own abilities, we actually need God. And so revival is really a return to that belief. And I think so many people are filled with anxiety and depression right now because, I mean, quite frankly, when, when you're the source of all the problems, but you're also the source of all the solutions, that's a heavy burden. And there, that produces a lot of anxiety. But revival occurs when people say, you know what, wait a second. Uh, God created me, and He has a plan even when I don't have a plan, and all I've got to do is submit and surrender to Him. And so we're, we're really seeing a lot of people step into that belief again, and it's been liberating for so many people. Outstanding. Folks, we're on with Pastor Mike Signorelli, founding pastor of V1 Church, and that's in New York City. And uh, he's uh, part of the upcoming documentary, The Domino Revival. Straight ahead, we're going to talk a little bit about The Domino Revival. And uh, before we get into that trailer, I have a clip of the trailer that I want you to hear. Uh, I want to go to Ohio to Bonnie. She's calling from Silver Lake, Ohio. And Bonnie, welcome. You're on with uh, Pastor Mike Signorelli and Rich Valdez. It's a pleasure. Go right ahead. I am on with you guys. You are live. Go right ahead. Oh, my gosh. I wish I was in my living room listening to myself. <laughs> I am telling you something right now. I am an 80-year-old woman, and I will tell you something. I have my moments, and but I'll tell you something. 
this country that called the United States of America is in big trouble right now. And I'm calling you. I would not say it's the United States of America, and I would not say it's a country to be proud of. It's a disgrace that we're living through right now. What makes and, you say that? What in particular, Bonnie? Well, I'll tell you something. At my stage and stage in life, I didn't think I was going to be on the air or, or talking to anybody, really. I thought I was going to have time to think this through, but I am on my radio. Uh, I just think we are, I would not, the other day I was someplace, they were pledging to the flag, and I thought, I am not proud to be an American. I will not pledge allegiance to a flag that's one nation under God. I would say we are one nation under God's judgment, and we better wake up and smell the, fl- smell the roses because we're in bad shape. So you, your thought is that we're, we've gone far from uh, honoring God, and you're, you're fearful of, of the judgment of God and the wrath, I guess, that, that comes with uh, that disobedience. I'll tell you something. You said it beautifully. It, this country is a whole, what I hear on my radio, and I'm a radio lover. I will tell you, I am ashamed to even say I'm an American today. I know Don't I live ashamed. free. It's a tough I, time. I, I, it's like family. You know, some of your family members, you might not uh, be thrilled about that one crazy uncle, but he's still your crazy uncle, Bonnie. Don't give up on America yet. Uh, Pastor Mike, stick with us. Um, I, 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 well, actually, we have a moment for you to respond before we get to the trailer. Uh, what do you think? We, do we make it out winning, or uh, are, are we toast? Well, yeah. I mean, listen, Bonnie, I think, voiced something that many Americans are feeling right now. But I will tell you this. I've been traveling all across this country, and I've been bringing people to a place of repentance. And I am encouraged because from Gen Z all the way to those who are retirement age, I'm seeing people actually repent and, and they just need to be given the opportunity. And I think they're right now more than ever, we need to draw people to that place to make a decision, not to be 99%, but 100% in repentance and to hand it all over to Jesus. And when you do that, people do respond. They do respond. And so I, for me, yes, we're in a very dark time. Um, but at the same time, that's when the light shines the brightest. Pastor Mike, thank you, Bonnie. I appreciate it. Big shout out to everybody in WNIR country. Bonnie, you're a doll. You're a sweetheart. And we thank you for the call. Don't lose heart. Fear not, right? The Bible says that. I don't know. I think enough times for every day of the year. So fear not, Bonnie. Things will get better. Folks, we're coming right back with Pastor Mike, and we're going to hear that trailer from his film. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, everybody, welcome back. And uh, without further ado, I want you to hear the trailer for the upcoming documentary film, The Domino Revival. The Bible isn't the story of what happened. It's the story of what always happens. Society is attempting to redefine right and wrong. God's people are being faced with the decision. Do I bow in fear or stand for truth? 
it might look like it's dark. It might look like it's impossible. But I say I serve a God who deals in the impossible. Nothing is too hard for him. At his words, demons tremble. The pastors already think I'm crazy, so I don't have anything to prove to anyone anymore. The doctors told you you'd always be on medication. The surgeons told you there's no procedure. You need a physical healing in your body, but I want to give you the healer, not just the healing. This is about the gospel. The reality of God should change everything about our life and the world around us. Powerful, powerful stuff right there. Uh, the Domino Revival. Pastor Mike Signorelli, um, tell us um, what's the next step. If everybody's uh, intrigued and interested and they want to support the film, watch the film and learn more about it, what do they do? Where do they go? Yeah, this is probably one of the most important moments for somebody who's hearing the sound of my voice right now because we have an opportunity to do something about everything that we're seeing in our world right now. October 24th, we are going to fill movie theaters across the United States. And not only is this movie going to premiere, but they're giving me 30 minutes at the conclusion of this movie to do a simulcast revival service across America. And people are going to cancel suicides. People are going to surrender drugs and paraphernalia and break addictions. And people are going to repent and give their life to Jesus Christ. And we're going to use every single movie theater available that they give us. And so tickets are already selling um, and, but we want to make sure that we fill up every theater in America and show everyone we're ready. We're ready for true revival. We're ready for another awakening. And uh, now is the time. So what, we are just so excited for what's going to happen. Outstanding. I could hear it. I mean, the, your, uh, your voice is exuding that, that excitement. And uh, I can't wait, A, to see it, and B, to uh, really um, hopefully um, witness and partake in this revival. Because... Um, I don't know. I'm one of those people that wants to be hopeful, even though I may feel hopeless from time to time because of all the news we consume. Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, I think we, we, we do end in victory. Pastor Mike Signorelli, I want to thank you for being with us. Let everybody know how they can um, follow you or keep in touch with the work that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely, Rich. Thank you so much for having me on. This was incredible. Mm -hmm. If if you all go to MikeSignorelli.com, you can find more information about the movie, um, as well as just other teachings and things I have available, but it's all at MikeSignorelli.com. Outstanding. And is there a separate website for the movie? Yes, FathomEvents.com. It's the Domino Revival movie. Outstanding. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Godspeed to you, brother. Continue the work that you're doing. And folks, Open Phone America is coming up straight ahead. 833-4-VALDEZ. 833-482-5337. Don't move a muscle. We're just getting started. the city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night 
with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be with you this evening. And again, if you want to join us tonight, I encourage you to do so. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ is our phone number, and it's Open Phone America. We're going to talk about lots of things, lots of things that we're going to talk about tonight, and whatever you want to bring to the table. Happy to have that discussion. Now, one of the things I want to bring to your attention is this uh, story I'm looking at here of AOC, all out crazy, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, at least mine. And AOC, all out crazy's campaign keeps paying for Chinese foreign agents. And this is according to her FEC filings. Yep. Uh, Representative Congresswoman AOC from the Bronx and Queens AOC all out crazy. Her campaign has been pushing campaign cash to a Chinese foreign agent. The New York Democrats campaign paid $442 to Sing Tao newspapers uh, May 25th for print advertising, according to her campaign records. While it's a small expense, AOC's committee appears to be the only one to place advertisements in that paper during the second quarter. Her campaign previously sent $5,000 to the company for the same exact purpose. Singtao is the United States subsidiary of the Hong Kong-based Singtao News Corporation. And back in August of 2021, the United States Justice Department required the Chinese-owned company to register as a Chinese foreign agent as tensions rose between Washington and Beijing. So, in effect... Congresswoman AOC is paying money into a foreign agent. Ain't that something? A a Chinese-owned newspaper that the government is saying is a foreign agent. It doesn't surprise me uh, that this is happening. I mean, this is from uh, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens. But it is happening nonetheless. So I'd like your thoughts on that and everything else that we've been talking about tonight. Um, Our phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's let's go to the phones here and see what we've got. Uh, We've got a few people who have been holding on for quite a while. Uh, Let's go to um, Robert, Charleston, South Carolina, WTMA. Robert, what do you think about AOC's um, advertising in the Chinese paper? Sounds pretty fair, reasonable, and normal, right? She's just advertising for the Chinese members in her district. What say you? Absolutely. I, I, say, I say absolutely, because every time you go into a store and buy something that says made in China and little letters on the back, you're doing exactly the same thing she's doing. And American people are doing it, doing it many, many times more than she's doing. She's buying a little advertisement in the newspaper, maybe, but all of us are buying tens of millions of products 
made in China, maybe billions of products made in China, and realizing it, it's, it's right there in print. All you got to do is turn the product over, flip it over, and it says made in China. You are supporting the People's Republic of China, the Communist Party. That's who you're supporting. Outstanding observation, Robert. Let me tell you, I um, years ago had a, not that many years ago, like two or three, I had an argument with my brother. Not an argument, but discussion. And a uh, different brother uh, that, that I normally talk about. And he was uh, telling me, listen, Richie, you got to stop buying stuff that's made in China. I said, Joe, how could we do that? How, how do I get to a place where if everything that's made out of plastic is, in, in effect, made in China, how do I escape it? And he said, look, you just got to start trying. You've got to just stop doing the, the obvious and, and start to make a, an effort. And I did. You know, one day it really hit me. I said, you know what? The only way to get away from this is to break the addiction that we have. You know, you, you spend a little bit more on this. You spend a little bit more on that. Before you know it, you're spending a lot more on many things. But the satisfaction that knows that you're buying something that was made in Bangladesh or, or Vietnam is rather than China. Um, somewhat more um, uh, palatable, I would say, for me. And, uh, and, and I do, uh, appreciate that advice. So Robert, I think you're right. I think so many of us are, if we're buying made in China, we can't criticize AOC for paying off the Chinese newspaper. I think that's a fair point. Uh, and let's see. Thank you for your call, brother. I appreciate it. Have a great, what did you, I am sorry. I think you had one more thing you wanted to say, Robert, go right ahead. Yes, I also wanted to say the, fa the father of the, of the great October Revolution, Vladimir Ilyich Lenin, once said, uh, op uh, religion is the opiate of the people. He knew 100% that the people would be back to it. As a matter of fact, secretly, they believed in God, many people in the Soviet Union. But if they did and the government found out about it, they would just think the guy's a little, a little nuts or, or the woman's a little nuts. Uh, but, but don't put her in an important position because, because she's a little nuts, things, you know, things might go, go south. So they kept that in mind. But at the same time, this, uh, uh, God never, ever left every person in the former Soviet Union. It just doesn't happen. And Vladimir Ilyich Lenin knew it. Now, is this something that you would uh, you give him credit for and you think he's um, uh, kind of visionary for for saying that? No. I, I don't think he's a visionary. I think I think he he just knew it. I mean, he was not a stupid guy, uh, no. and he he was the only guy, incidentally, that that Joseph Stalin couldn't kill. You can't kill the father of the revolution, but you could kill everybody else. And 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 he but he had Vladimir Ilyich Lenin on ice the whole time until he died in 1924. But Vladimir Ilyich Lenin actually died of syphilis. He went nuts and started, got up on a table and started playing a bird. But cuckoo cuckoo, that's what he was doing before he died. But the Communist Party kept that a secret. Very few people know that he actually died. Of syphilis because that would be a great embarrassment for the Soviet Union. I happen to know that because I know somebody who was in the innermost circle of Joseph Stalin. I met her as a very old woman. I knew her daughter and her granddaughter. And, wow. Um, and, and How'd you do that? How'd you pull that off? It's like a girlfriend well, of yours? Actually, she came to me. No, no, she actually taught me Russian, and uh, she came to her mother came to, with her to the United States as, as a very old woman, and so also did her daughter. Wow. Well, excellent point. Um, and when we come back, thank you, Robert. I appreciate it. Inter interesting history. I wasn't aware of all of that. Uh, but I will tell you what I was a little bit uh, aware of uh, was uh, the good professor from Grove City College who uh, wrote the book The Devil in Car and, and Karl Marx, um, Paul Kengor. Terrific book. And in the um, description for this book, there is a 
excellent quote from Karl Marx, and I'm going to share it with you when we come back. Keep the calls coming in. I see we've got calls from all over the place, South Dakota, South Carolina, Florida, New York, you name it, we're coming at you. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. So Karl Marx, uh, in a poem that he wrote in 1837, this is a full decade before he wrote the Communist Manifesto, he wrote, Thus heaven I've forfeited. I know it full well. My soul, once true to God, is chosen for hell. And... This is, um, in my opinion, Marx clearly admitting that you, you can't adhere to the ideology that he believed in and preached uh, if, if you wanted to hold on to your soul and have your soul be true to God. But you'd have to forfeit it. You'd have to forfeit heaven. And I, I thought it was remarkable that he said that, but it's, to me, the crux, the truth, the anchor of what communism is. It's a godless philosophy that is perverse, as Ken Gore points out, and has been the cause of over a hundred million deaths in the 20th century alone. And that is what Marx peddled and preached. So just hold on to that for a second. And uh, I want to also just share something with you very quickly. There's an amazing story. There's a bunch. I'm going to give you a couple. Uh, Carly Russell, remember her, the lady with the kidnapping? She's been charged. I'll give you a little bit of an update on that in a moment. Uh, And there's some crazy story. I don't know if I'll have time to get into this, what this guy did and how much he paid to turn himself into. You don't know what. Uh, And there's a crackdown on ketchup packets. Oh, my goodness. There's so much good stuff to talk about here. But uh, I know there's a few of you that are on the line holding on very patiently that wanted to make a comment. So I want to uh, go to my buddy Pat in Sedona, Arizona, listening on KDGO in Durango, Colorado, streaming live. Pat, go right ahead. Hey, Rich. Thanks. You took me right away. I feel special. Thank you. You are special, brother. Yeah, you know, I listen to that poor woman from Ohio and how she's ashamed of the country and... You know, before all this happened, there were probably a groups of people, the ones who are in charge now, that were ashamed of this country and ashamed of the way this this uh, country was uh, looked at uh, to the world. 
And I'm going to tell you one thing. Don't ever give up on the old girl. Liberty is to believe in. And I've known so many people who have given everything they have for that liberty. And when it gets down to it, if we have to go to war amongst ourselves, which would be so sad and so wrong in this country, that we've got a good country, we've got a good place to live, people. And I'm going to tell you something. It's what we hear and what we don't see. And that's our media. And, no, Rich, you're, you're a bright, shining star if you consider yourself media. I just call it, I consider you a truth-sayer, you know, a man who's trying to find the truth. You're not perfect, but you're trying to, sh- to find it with the callers and your, and your excellent guests you have. But I'm going to say this, that it's the media that is bending the elbow of the American voter, the American worker, and everything, they're just they're uh, they're lying about. I mean, look what Joe Biden's son. We're just watching right now the kids walking through, and he's just he's going na 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 towards all of us because he's going to get away with it. Maybe who knows? I mean, it's it, you know it, it, you, there's so many stories. Who knows what's really truth anymore? I mean, you try to find it unless you see it yourself. You know, and um, it's, it's, it's maddening. And the most thing that I think we should really try to protect is our kids, our children, our most precious possession this country has. It's not all the money and all the power. It's our future, and our future is our children and our schools. And I'm telling you, people who don't have children like me, I mean, you got to go to school boards. You got you to... Gotta, in a, in a calm and a educated way, talk to them how you believe all this race theory and all this transgender stuff should get out of our schools. And our schools should be teaching our children how to become citizens of our country and the world. And it may sound like I'm, I'm a little nutty, but I just believe that, I mean, I, I, just, I just believe that we're going in the wrong direction with the future that way of our children and how we're letting our public schools, because I know so many people are going to be pulling their kids out of schools, and that's wrong. I mean, our public schools can teach another generation. They've done it for years. It's just somebody, it's like Einstein. Here's, Here's a quote, and I'll leave it at this quote. Einstein says, we cannot use the same amount of energy that we use to get ourselves in trouble. We have to use a whole nother lot more of energy to get out of it. You have wow. to think that way. We are, a bit, we are, we're deep. We're in deep, you know, it's, it's getting deep out there and we see how crooked our government is. We how it doesn't work. Now it's not every government employee or center or congressman, but there's a lot going on. That's not right. The crime that happens in New York City, the crime that happens in Chicago. You know, they're getting numb when a child in a crib gets shot. That's wrong. That's totally wrong. People have to hide in bathtubs because they're afraid of getting shot when there's absent gunfire between gangs. And our and our attorney generals in our states have all been uh, bought and so 
sold my state. Our governor has been bought and sold. You're right, Pat. And you know, what's interesting here is first, I want to thank you. You said some really nice things to me about me, about the program. And I appreciate your kind words. I really do. It's, um, it's humbling. Uh, but I also want to say that uh, I think you're right. And you know, I, 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 everything you just said, it is spot on. We have a crime problem. We have a cultural problem. Uh, like we've embraced a culture of doing the wrong thing. And that's something we have to reject. Uh, and just right out of hand, just reject it off the bat because we can't allow our kids to go astray. If you do, what's left? If you have a society where kids have no respect, where kids are derelict, this is what happens. I feel like we're we're at that place now. You said our public education um, system has educated kids for, for decades. I think part of that is the problem. And we're seeing that today. So many of these kids have become adults. They're in positions of power and they're clearly not doing the right thing. So I'm in agreement with you. And I think the only way we get past this and we fix this and we change it and we reverse course is by doing just that, getting involved, going to the school board meetings like you suggested, starting at different levels of government, getting into the media, taking um, your your ideas into the public square, sharing them and getting them in front of other people so that you can organize and, and create a movement uh, because that's ultimately what moves people. Movements move people. Um, our, our most positive thoughts and complaints don't. Pat, uh, excellent, excellent, excellent call. Um, I really appreciate it. <clears throat> and I hope uh, you're doing all right with the heat out there. Man, it was hot today. Listen to this. So I knew it was going to be hot today. And um, I wanted to try um, this new coffee. Now, I know you're thinking, are you being disloyal to your Cuban friend? No, my Cuban friend sold his restaurant. So the new proprietors uh, opened up. And, you know, same restaurant, just new people. And uh, they're... Um, uh, I think from Ecuador, nice people. <clears throat> and I said, all right, let me go in there and get a coffee. This coffee was it was really good, and it was strong. It wasn't better than the other people. It didn't really even compare, honestly. Um, they still have to get used to working with that espresso machine. It was really strong, but it, I enjoyed it. And then I bump into my other brother, and he says, hey, take a ride with me. Next thing you know, I'm at the Jersey Shore. There's palm trees. I'm on a beach. I was in a restaurant that had a tiki bar. It was fantastic. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. The View. Uh, we're having a discussion today about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, presidential candidate, and th- they just can't get enough of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Let me tell you, uh, the the conversation is how he's anti LGBTQ because he surrounds himself with listen to this internet trolls and right wing extremists. 
Uh, you got to love this extremist label and term, the way it gets tossed around as if, uh, as if anything. Anyway, listen to this exchange. I would just say your girl said it first. He's the most overhyped politician in Republican politics. So I've known Ron DeSantis since, since he was in the House. I think I rode not bed for him like five years ago. He was a sane, serious conservative Congress member. He wasn't someone I would say is anywhere near ready to be president. This is a quote when he was first elected in May 2018. I'm not going to be getting into these bathroom wars. I don't think it's a good use of our time. I want the LGBTQ community to be able to live their life, whether you're gay, whether you're religious, you should all be welcome. What happened Florida. to him? This used to be a sane, he started to run for office and listen, that's the, the buck stops 100% with DeSantis, but he's decided to s- surround himself by these basically internet trolls of right-wing extremists who literally are so far outside the mainstream, even of my party, that they have driven him a direction that he, he's in such a bad place, I don't think he could have a national future. He has a- been so off-putting to so many people. I'm a Republican. I could not vote for him because where he but, is but on you LGBTQ see, I don't, I don't agree with the part of that they've driven him there. He's a grown-ass well, man. He's the governor of the part that I think they both fail to realize is that when things go amok, you know, if you ask me five years ago and said, hey, what do you think about, I don't know, um, LGBTQ, whatever, I probably would have had a similar response saying, look, I, I'm, I'm probably um, people can live their lives and do what they have to do. You know why? Because five years ago, uh, LGBT, now uh, what's it called? Drag queen story hour wasn't a huge thing. These people that are constantly going after children wanting specifically to have drag queen shows where they bring their microphone and use it like a substitute for a sex toy. They they use this on stage as a prop. Um, that's just not appropriate for children. Period. The end. That shouldn't even be up for discussion. But today it's like, oh, well, if I as long as I'm dressed in drag, then it's OK for me to to use a microphone and pretend it's a sex toy and and be um, extremely provocative. No, it, it's not okay. Listen, I, that's just wrong. And the fact that they can't reconcile this on the view and realize that where we where we were and where we are now are two different places, right? It's a very serious thing for a very serious thing for parents to have to face this so yeah i'm sure desantis didn't want to get into the bathroom wars nobody really did um that's not something any politician aspires to do you get into the fight when you have to that's just literally how it goes anyway let's um let's go to jeff he's in port st Lucie, florida on wpsl jeff welcome you're on with rich valdez go right ahead hi it's funny thing is i wanted to talk about desantis uh, first, let me say that uh, your show, other shows, I think based on opinions, you know, everybody's got an opinion. Some people are uh, think, think Hunter Biden should go to jail. Other people think that uh, Kushner should be, you know, $2 billion from Saudi. Okay. But here's the facts that we deal with in Florida. The facts. The fact is that our governor, Governor Ron DeSantis, was the driving force behind getting legislation passed that our schools are going to teach kids that slavery was a good thing. T- tell me more about this, because I don't know that to be accurate. How do you support that? He pushed forward legislation. What's slavery the name of this legislation? What's the number of the bill? I don't know about that. 
I'm sorry? What's the number of the bill you're referencing? Don't ask me that. I just know that it was passed this week. What's the name of the bill? The bill. Uh, uh, Do you have a fax number I can send you some of this stuff? I have a phone number and a website, and I've got you on the phone with me. Yeah. Ron DeSantis said slavery was a good thing because black people learned Ron DeSantis didn't say slavery was a good thing. Some leftist on a news network that you've probably watched said that Ron DeSantis said that, but he didn't say anything. What they have is a bill that is trying to protect history from being perverted by people that are activists. And these activists want to change the story. And they do that by saying that now Ron DeSantis is trying to erase black history from U.S. history and teach that slavery is good. And Kamala Harris went out there, Vice President Kamala Harris, she went out there and said the same exact thing. And they're parroting these things, and now you're saying it, but the fact that you can't mention the name of the bill, you don't know the bill number, and you've never heard him say it because it didn't happen, right? This is just like the just... uh, the don't say gay bill. Here's another example of how they've uh, misconstrued the truth, right? And in my opinion, they've, they've just intentionally contorted the truth to make it fit their narrative. But the reality is this don't say gay bill, which is really called the Parental Rights and Education Act, that's the legal name of the bill, it doesn't contain the words don't say gay anywhere. It doesn't say gay anywhere. It uses the term LGBTQ and it doesn't say you can't say it. It says that we're not going to teach kids about sexuality between kindergarten and third grade. So now you you take a bill where the the governor and the the Department of Ed and, and parents seem to be in agreement that this is a good thing to not teach children about sexuality between kindergarten and third grade. And yet the media gives it a new name. They say something that isn't true and they go ahead and try to make it look like something that it's not saying it's called a don't say gay bill and they're trying to erase the LGBTQ uh, community from Florida. But it's just simply not true. The LGBTQ Florida uh, community in Florida is not necessarily um, in existence because they want to teach kindergarten through third graders about sexuality. There may be some of them that want that, but by and large, that's not their purpose. They just have a different lifestyle. And I think they're able to have that. This is America. But it becomes problematic when people start lying about DeSantis and trying to change the way things work. So thanks for the call, Jeff. I appreciate it. I think you're you're misinformed on this one. And I would recommend you take a little bit of time, go read the bill, check out the bill, listen to um, what Ron DeSantis said when he signed the bill. And I think you'll agree with me in the long run. Anyway, the rest of your calls and more are coming up straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And again, just to uh, reiterate, um, the the uh, 
expert team that we have in the control room sent me a couple of um, lines from the curriculum in Florida, the Florida Social Studies curriculum. We have an excerpt of it, and here's what it says. The teacher in the classroom, of course, the student, will examine the various duties and trades performed by slaves. Example given are agricultural work, painting, carpentry, tailoring, domestic service, blacksmithing, and transportation. The benchmark clarifications, and the one in question here is the the first clarification, instruction includes how slaves develop skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. So this single point of clarification where they're saying that, and again, this is very true, there are a number of people that were slaves and became freedmen. And they went up north with a skill set that was well beyond what they did just solely working on plantations. There were a bunch of men that had developed skills in those areas. And not just the agricultural work, but painting, carpentry, tailoring, domestic service, blacksmithing, transportation. And when they went up north as free men, they were able to do those things and make money and be competitive and say, I'll do it for less than the white guy. And they, were, they became enterprising and eventually made enough money to start buying things. They built so much of their own area. And this is how eventually Black Wall Street came about. Now, does that mean that slavery was good? Absolutely not. Hell no. Slavery was never good. This curriculum doesn't teach that slavery was good. One point of clarification explains how when they were freed men, they were able to succeed because of skills that they developed in their previous employment, even if it was indentured servitude or slavery. That's not a, a, I'm not making an argument pro-slavery. I would never do such a thing. Slavery was disgusting and it was evil. It was demonic. No human being should be treated that way. But we can't ignore the fact that there are some that left and knew how to learn to work. Some worked inside the home. And we're able to now go do domestic service in the North, Chicago and other areas. And that's just a fact. Anyway, uh, let's continue with our calls and uh, let's go to uh, Rob calling us from Mitchell, South Dakota on K-O-R-N. Rob, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hello. Good evening. When uh, the 70s gas crisis, I was wondering if I could take you back to the 70s for a second. Sure, go for it. In general, when I was a kid, I'm 55 years old. I was born in 1968. So I grew up on a farm, and I was around adult conversation all the time. And I remember the adults crying when gas got above 25 cents a gallon from the local mom-and-pop refinery. Uh, it was a small refinery right there in town, and it was operated by three people, the whole operation. So it's not a big, complex thing to refine fuel, first of all. You've probably seen the videos on YouTube where they refine it on the ground, and I don't advocate for that. But uh, uh, we have oil at 700 feet here, and it's recoverable for $20 a barrel. 
Now, if you look at like Athabaskan oil sands or Alaskan oil, it's $200 before it gets through the pipeline, just in cost. And then the situation in Texas and Russia, they are out of business and they're broke if they can't uh, sell for 45 to 50, just in general numbers. And then offshore, I don't want to rush you, Rob, but you're losing us so quickly. Get to the point. Okay. The Republicans and the Democrats haven't allowed us to build refineries, but they sell them to the Islamic State. Which Republicans are you talking about? I'm talking about the entire House and Senate. My family is seven generations that have been fighting against this, trying to get refineries built. So in order to engineer the fake 70s gas crisis, they shut down our local refineries. All right. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I have no idea what you're talking about and wouldn't even know how to respond to that. Uh, as far as I know, Christy Nome was doing a great job with pushing forward with all sorts of energy exploration in South Dakota. And it was roaring up until a Democrat took office. I, I don't remember hearing any complaints during the Trump administration, but you would know better than me. You're in South Dakota and I'm not. So we'll do some research on our end and maybe we'll uh, bring you back as a guest or have another guest on that topic of um, oil being blocked at 700 feet in South Dakota because of X, Y, and Z that you just mentioned. Thank you for your call, sir. Uh, Let us continue here with Linda calling us from Albany, New York. But first, a quick pause, and we'll be right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Do we still have the caller that was on? All right. Well, let's go to Mac then. Mac uh, in Ocean City, New Jersey, W-O-N-D. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich. Uh, listen, I've been listening to you for a whole year, every night, 10 to 1 o'clock. Uh, I Thank just you. I want to say, like, just, just listen to you tonight. With your last couple callers, the way you you know disrespected them, I mean you're I mean you're just like very not very nice, you know, fair, balanced, and uh, and I love the way you uh, conduct yourself with your uh, your listeners. Thank uh, you, I appreciate that. I I really do try because I feel like we can't get anywhere if we can't have a discussion, and Lord knows. I don't want to get into a fist fight every single day over every single issue. And we can't live a life like that. So we have to have these discussions. Uh, but sometimes people are just a little bit off the deep end. You know what I mean, Mac? Uh, you're, you're, you're correct. Everyone's got to settle down. Let's, it's America. It's the greatest country on this earth. Let's all get along. Be grateful for what you have in this country, especially God. I mean, you guys, let's get it together, man. That's all I got. Amen. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And let me let you know, big shout out to WOND. I was down in Seabright today 
I had a great time at a, at a restaurant. I won't announce because, you know, that would be a freebie for them. It was a great beachfront restaurant. Mac, thank you so much. I appreciate what you said. Linda, Albany, New York, we found you. WGDJ, go right ahead. Thank you. A couple of things, Rich. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Uh, first, uh, talking about um, American Made, when I was growing up, the understanding was you tried to to buy American Made, which then killed people in jobs who then would buy products perhaps that some of your relatives were involved in making. And secondly, uh, one verse that I have found that was hopeful to me over the years that somebody else might find hopeful is the Bible saying that, yea, though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Mm-hmm. This thank is you, the Rich. 23rd Psalm. Sure. And thank you, Linda. Yes. I appreciate that. Let me tell you, I um, for a little while, I volunteered as a police chaplain, and part of the duties of that were uh, amongst like delivering death notifications and things like that that you were trained to do was you know, uh, officiating funerals for just people that were involved in homicides in the city of Newark, New Jersey. And, um, I've, I've had to read that more times than I'd like. And it's a wonderful verse and it really does bring some comfort and peace. And ultimately, you know, while things are contentious in the United States, I think ultimately we, as a people, uh, we do have to coalesce together. We have to come together, uh, irrespective of the things that we believe to coexist, right? And coexisting, many people are like, all right, you do you, I'll do me, you know, I'm going to do what I do from over here, you're going to do what you do over there. But the reality is, you know, and maybe it's my upbringing, uh, being born in the late 70s and, and growing up early 80s in Brooklyn and then moving to Jersey. But many people just helped each other. Like, we, we were just helpful to one another, uh, whether it was, you know, buying American, like you were saying, or just going to the local place because that was the local place and they were showing up to open up their shop and hey let me help them out and the rise of the big box store and and people doing better economically made things easier for people to go to the whatever mart and spend money over there but ultimately i think we always have to keep it focused on what we're doing at home buy american and start with Going to your local whatever, right? Your local bar, your local barber, your local grocer. That's, uh, I think, where it starts. And we have to respect each other while we're there. Anyway, I'm getting off my high horse. I'm getting off the soapbox. Until the next time, hasta la próxima. Take care, good night, and God bless. I am Rich Valdez. What a pleasure it's been with you this week. I'm looking forward to coming back on Monday. See you then. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.